We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Guys, please make sure you check out ShipStation.com. For all their great products, promo code BLUEWIRE for the network that hosts our wonderful podcast. With me, as always, it is Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, preseason week one is upon us. How jacked are you right now? I'm just ready for some ship to happen, you know? Yeah. Oh, because totally. ship station. Right. Sponsor. Okay, this is good content. Um, this did is I really introduce strong. myself? Did okay. I just do this for the first time without introducing myself? Uh, you're Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. Wow, you did that for me. Thank you. Yeah, I got your back, dog. Good good co-host. All right, so we are recording this on a Thursday evening. Thursday was an eventful day at 49ers headquarters, uh, not because of what happened at practice necessarily, but because of all the news that Kyle Shanahan broke regarding a ton of injured players. So I think the first week of training camp was a good one for the 49ers because a lot of their key guys were healthy, and that is certainly not so much the case anymore. And and obviously the big name to get hurt is Nick Bosa, the defensive end, the number two overall pick, who was really the standout player of training camp until he got hurt. Somebody fell on his ankle uh, during a running play in a drill on Wednesday, and he left practice. It turns out He's not going to play in the preseason. An MRI revealed a, 
uh, an ankle sprain. Kyle Shanahan said there are three certain benchmarks that to, to call something a high ankle sprain. Bosa doesn't have all three of those benchmarks. He might have one or two of them. Uh, it could be that he doesn't play week one. The 49ers are hopeful that he will play week one, but there's a chance that this lasts into the regular season. Obviously, they're less worried about getting Bosa back for week one and then, then ensuring that his ankle is 100% healthy just going forward. So we don't know exactly what it's what the prognosis is. We know he's going to miss the preseason. Uh, more bad news, Jarek McKinnon, who came back from the physically unable to perform list after coming back from his ACL tear more than 11 months ago, uh, felt some soreness in his knee after two practices. He's going to get platelet-rich plasma injections, also known as PRP injections. Uh, he's he's going to be out at least two weeks. That's going to give him uh, roughly 18 days to get ready for the, for the season opener. I personally don't think he's going to be ready for the season opener, just given how much time he's had off. He hasn't really done any hard cutting or hard practicing at all. Even in his return to practice, he was limited to individual drills, so that's obviously not good news. Cornerback Jason Verrett, uh, early in practice on Wednesday, twisted his ankle while tackling Raheem Mostert. Uh, the 49ers feared that the injury would be a lot worse than it was. It was just an ankle sprain, fortunately. They think he's going to be out the entire preseason, and he could be back for week one. Kwan Williams, a slot cornerback, had his knee scoped. Uh, he's going to miss the preseason. They're hoping he can be back for week one. Weston Richburg, we know about his injury. He had knee and quad surgery. Uh, early in the offseason, the 49ers are hopeful that he's going to be back week one, but they don't know for sure. I thought Kyle Shanahan at the beginning of camp sounded much more confident about Richburg coming back for week one. Today, uh, Thursday, he sounded significantly less confident, so maybe that's up in the air. Uh, and we know about D Ford. It sounds like he's going to be back in time for the third preseason game, if he's going to play at all. Uh, the, at least he might practice that week ahead of that return to Kansas City for that all-important dress rehearsal game. Um, Eric Armstead has missed the last couple practices with a minor calf injury. He's day-to-day. -day. Ronald Blair is day-to-day -day with a groin injury. So, uh, yeah, the Niners' top four defensive ends, likely the, the only four defensive ends who are going to make the 53-man roster, are all dealing with injuries right now. And I would guess that Armstead and Blair are not going to play Saturday. Um, and then there's Joshua Garnett, the guard, who is going to be out likely two more weeks after having surgery to repair a dislocated finger on his right hand. So uh, the Niners are dealing with a ton of injuries and the news isn't good other than the fact that it is August 8th as we're recording this. And there's plenty of time before the start of the regular season, which is exactly a month away, week one in Tampa Bay. So, Kyle, overall, just where are you in terms of your level of concern regarding all of these injuries. It's certainly higher than it was before they started having players kind of, I don't want to say questionable, but having their statuses up in the air for, for week one. But like you mentioned, this could have been catastrophic. Like there was a chance that this could have been a nightmare scenario where Bosa's out for a couple of months and Jason Verrett is done for the season and D Ford has a much bigger knee problem than than what it sounds like he has. So, like you said, it's not good, but 
given given the potential severity, it feels like the 49ers can breathe at least a small sigh of relief knowing that they they could have each of these guys for week one. We'll obviously know as we get closer to September, but um, for for now, I don't think it's I think it's too early to hit the panic button. Yeah, and one thing that Kyle Shanahan said today, which I thought was really interesting, just watching Wednesday's practice, it was very sloppy. Uh, there are a lot of instances where defensive players were probably being a little bit too physical with offensive players, and and Jason Verrett's play, he spun or he mostered down to the ground and actually tackled him. It was a it was a run out into the flat and Verrett was the only defender there and and he actually just tackled Mostert and instead of you know wrapping up or thudding up as they call it uh and and the play essentially being dead he made the tackle and I think Shanahan is a little upset because he thinks or you know I don't actually know that he thinks this but it could have been that he thinks Verrett's physicality led to the injury um, and obviously in practice, you never want to get guys hurt. And Shanahan doesn't do tackling drills specifically for this reason. He doesn't want guys to get hurt. And I asked Kyle Shanahan today if he feels like four preseason games is necessary. And he says, no, he would rather have zero than four. Uh, and in an ideal world, he would rather have two uh, just, you know, to shake some rust off and and to help evaluate some of his players who are, who are vying to make the 53 man roster. But yeah, Shanahan was pissed off because he thought they were playing with too much physicality and they weren't, quote unquote, protecting the team enough uh, during Wednesday's practice. And Bosa, to your point, the coaches watching the tape, you know, Kyle Shanahan saw somebody fall on Bosa's leg and he said it was really close to it to it being the type of injury that could have knocked Bosa out for the year. So I was on the other side of the field. I didn't have a good angle of, of what happened of, of what happened to Bosa. Um, but all I saw was after the play, he was on the ground. And then I, I, I walked over to that side of the field to get a look at him while they were giving him treatment. And, you know, the, the good news is he walked off the field under his own power. He did so slowly. He wasn't limping too badly. So it was pretty clear as it happened. Like, obviously, it would have been really bad if he got carted off the field or if they had to stabilize his ankle, uh, right. something like that. So. You know, Kyle Shanahan said Nick Bosa wanted to practice today, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, you know, a, a lot of players do things like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's bad news. Bosa has now – this is his third injury in less than a calendar year. He's probably going to miss, you know, three to four weeks, maybe longer. And, obviously, it's the number two pick and potentially one of the best players on the team. So, that is all bad. Uh, but, you know – Something real quick, real quick on Bosa before we move on. There was a lot of there was a lot of talk on the internet about Bosa's injury proneness, mm-hmm. and I feel like that would have been that would have been a better topic of discussion if it was like a weird like soft tissue injury where he just kind of pulled up with another hamstring or or something like that. But getting rolled up on is just something that kind of happens in football. Yeah, when you play in the trenches, you're gonna have 300 yeah. pound dudes fall on you. It happens sometimes, yeah. So it happens sometimes, and the fact that it hasn't happened to somebody like DeForest Buckner, you know, knock on wood for for Buckner's sake, like, is kind of crazy. And, and it just goes to show, like, I I, I mentioned this in the uh, in the media workroom today to somebody, like, Buckner should look around at at everything that's happening, particularly along the defensive line, and be like, yeah, I'm definitely worth twenty million a year to this team. <laughs> like, I play damn near every snap. Like I've missed one game in three seasons 
and it was I think it was a Thursday night game uh, with a foot injury. I, I yeah, Buckner Buckner has even more leverage as as teammates around him fall by the wayside with these injuries. But there's there is a chance that all these guys are back for week one. Uh, we will know more later on. Obviously, for now, it's a little bit troubling, but there's a, there's a month to go, so we will see how these guys recover. But Kyle. The preseason is happening. People are excited on Twitter. Daniel Jones, the the Giants quarterback, threw a touchdown on his first series. Uh, it's time that we that that we pencil him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he should start writing his speech. The preseason is stupid. It's just really stupid. Tell overall. us how you really feel, man. The, the, I mean, four <laughs> games is way too many. The reason why I asked Kyle Shannon is because I thought he felt that way. And I, and you know, it, I've, I think I've said it on this pod, like coaches value training camp a lot more than they do preseason games. Uh, and for Shanahan to come out and say like, yeah, I'd rather have zero than four. It isn't the best way to sell this matchup coming up on Saturday between the Niners and Cowboys to open the preseason slate. But we're here to offer you content and players that we think you should watch, even though what happens Saturday is probably not going to portend anything that happens in the regular season, unless somebody that makes the that is going to make the 53 man roster gets hurt. So let's break it down. Let's start with the offense. Can't is that a good wait. spell? Is that a good sell Can't job? Wait. All right. Well, hey, well, here's, here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. As far as a, it's not our job to sell the game. B that's true. B people are going to watch like, like there are things that the coaching staff may not care, but there are things that, that fans probably should care about or, or fans who didn't get to go to training camp. Like this is a chance to see uh, some of these guys in action and see some of the roster battles play out in real time. So well, the score doesn't matter. And by the fourth quarter, it'll be a bunch of guys who probably have no shot of making the team anyways. Like the first couple of quarters do matter on on at least some level like you said both for injury concerns and and if a guy is just tearing it up in preseason and he's neck and neck with somebody in practice who doesn't tear it up in the preseason like that might be the deciding factor so on some level it does it does matter and no matter what i'm probably going to be there three hours early and i'm probably going to stay three or four hours late writing about it and you're going to try out you're a lot yeah there's gonna be live tweets all right that that's gonna happen they're probably not gonna all be super fun and jovial but uh yeah like you mentioned and and that that is a good point like say and we can we can talk about this but say you know nick mullins and cj bethard who are battling for this quarter this backup quarterback job uh, jimmy garoppolo isn't gonna play so one of those two guys is gonna start kyle shanahan wouldn't say which one i'm guessing that one of them starts uh, Saturday, and then the other one starts uh, the fourth preseason game, and Kyle Shanahan is going to come out of it saying they're still even, and we're essentially not going to know who the backup is, I don't think, until one of these guys is cut or traded, or the 49ers actually need their backup quarterback uh, at some point during the regular season if they keep both. I think Shanahan is is committed to the idea of portraying the message that Mullins and Bethard are on an even playing field. So that being said, if one of them vastly outperforms the other in the preseason, I think that sort of makes Kyle Shanahan's decision a whole lot easier for himself. And he can sell, he can sell it, sell the idea of actually having to make a decision rather than towing the line of, you know, these guys are, are equals, right? 
So that is going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch. Like it does, does Nick Mullins tear it up and look like he did uh, when he was playing well late last season, or is he going to regress to the mean a little bit? And was he playing over his head last year? And and was it, you know, smoke and mirrors is CJ Beathard going to capitalize on all the experience he has uh, his third year in the system, you know, a, a player who was drafted, who has probably a better physical skill set than Nick Mullins. Uh, is he going to be improved after struggling at times during his stint as a starter the last two years? So that's going to be that's going to be interesting to watch. You, you have any thoughts on on how this QB thing could shake out? Yeah, I'm 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 with you in 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 that Shanahan really wants this to be a competitive battle, but it sounds like in camp it hasn't been. The thing I'm most- well, it has been just not, neither of them have distinguished themselves. They've been like very equal. Sure. Okay. So, so they're, they're the, they're, they're both like one will have a good practice, one will have a bad one, and the next day, like the other guy will have a bad one, and, sure. and the other guy will have a good one. It's just not there hasn't been a clear a clear delineating factor between those two guys during camp. So what what matters most to me either way is, and Kyle Shanahan talked about this a little bit in his press conference today, and in what Mullins did in the off season to try and get better in terms of his his velocity and arm strength. I want to see if Nick Mullins can make some of the throws that he couldn't make last year. Like those throws outside the numbers, like he just has no zip on those. Like it takes forever mm-hmm. to get to the receiver and those are dangerous. And as good as he looked at times last year, you go and watch the first half of the Seahawks game in Seattle. He was bad. You go and watch that game against Tampa Bay. He was so bad against Tampa Bay. People were calling for CJ Beathard to start again. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see if if there's any discernible physical improvement from Nick Mullins in his third year in the league and his first year battling for a, a 53-man roster spot. Because if not, I feel like those limitations in his game are always going to kind of keep him from being a being a threat should he have to start games. Yeah, and Mullins has looked pretty good in these last two practices, I, I should mention, and particularly in two-minute drills. On uh, on Wednesday, he found Ross Dwelly a few times on a two-minute drive, including uh, a touchdown in traffic. Uh, and Dwelly is a guy I think we've talked about is, is probably the favorite to be the number two tight end behind George Kittle while Garrett Selleck's out. Um, but today, Jalen Hurd actually was caught three passes, including a, a deep corner route. That, that was an impressive throw, an anticipatory throw. That's that's a tough word to actually say. That's a real. No, I'm really proud of you. Anticipatory. That's good. Dude. He anticipated Jalen Hurd being in the spot and Hurd was in the right spot on a deep corner route and Hurd it was the third of three catches. This one got got the 40 or got the offense into the red zone. And then he found Caden Smith. Uh, it wasn't a super accurate throw, but it was away from coverage. And and Smith sort of contorted his body and, and sort of leaned in the opposite direction. He was running and made a really nice catch. It was easily his most impressive play during camp. Uh, so Mullins has that. He just he's shown that ability in in the two minute drill for whatever whatever reason uh, in these last two practices. So I'm sure he'll get an opportunity to run some hurry up or, you know, no huddle stuff in these preseason games. So that'll be interesting. And to your point on, you know, somebody uh, distinguishing themselves in these games, like if Richie James 
does something, you know, returns a, a kick for a touchdown or returns a punt for a touchdown, I do think that could go a long way because just in terms of where things stand offensively with the receivers, I think Shanahan's got a pretty clear idea that four guys are for sure going to make it. The two draft picks, Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd, and then obviously Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor are are basically locks to make the team. Uh, Marquise Goodwin and Kendrick Bourne, I would put a tier a little bit below them just in terms of how comfortable they should feel in making the team. Um, I think those two are probably going to round out the receiving core and, and the, the, those six are going to be those those guys. But Richie James has an opportunity to make Kyle Shanahan think long and hard, maybe about keeping seven guys or putting him over one of those other receivers. And then Jordan Matthews, who's been really consistent, albeit not very splashy, but just sort of the veteran presence. I mean, it's a cliche, but he, that's what he's been. He's been consistent. Um, he's, he gets open, he's learned the system quickly, and he could be somebody who gets a ton of burn in this preseason. And I don't know that that's necessarily going to lead to him making the team, but it could give Kyle Shanahan something to think about because seven receivers, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's not totally inconceivable. And if the 49ers don't have somebody establish themselves in that number three tight end battle, then maybe you do start thinking about moving Jalen Hurd, switching his position early. And maybe if you do end up needing a true tight end, a number three tight end, you, you tinker with him and Kyle Juszczyk in that role. Um, and, and maybe that leads to you keeping seven wide out. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. And that is something that, that the preseason could show us. I think finding any receiver who's going to distinguish themselves, both at the back end of the roster and really at the top, like, Kyle Shanahan said Dante Pettis hasn't done a lot. Right. Um, he He's mentioned that no receiver has really stepped up consistently to show that, that they're ready to take on a, a huge workload in the offense. So that's what I'm looking for out of the receivers is obviously that back end of the back end of the roster battle, but also does anyone step up and I know the snaps are going to be limited, but can somebody step in and make a couple of plays be open with any kind of regularity? That's, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And at running back, Jarek McKinnon's injury, I think basically makes it. So you got to just keep Tevin Coleman on ice and probably Matt yeah. Breida too. I don't know that I would give either of them very much playing time. If any playing time at all during this preseason, I think not having McKinnon and having him being a question mark going forward, uh, means that you absolutely have to have Coleman and Brita healthy for the start of the regular season. Um, so maybe Raheem Mostert and Austin Walter, the undrafted rookie, are the two guys who really get the lion's share of carries during this preseason. Um, because Jeff Wilson Jr. is injured with a calf, and he's got some sort of calf injury, and he's not going to – I don't think he's going to play Saturday. Maybe he comes back in time next week for – for the uh, the joint practices against Denver and then that Monday night preseason game. But, you know, the Niners are, are kind of as deep as their running back group is right now. I think they have to view it as shallow because they need to make sure these guys are healthy. So I would imagine Austin Walter, the undrafted rookie from Rice, is just going to get a ton of touches and a ton of carries because he kind of has to uh, because they, they, they just can't afford anything to happen to Breeder or Coleman. Yeah, we might we might see those guys maybe like split time in the first series or two, but I think I think the Austin Walter show is going to be a good name for for this first preseason game. And it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out and performs well and all of a sudden it's the he's in the running for that uh Corey Sheets award 
for the the undrafted player who fans kind of fall in love with because of his preseason performance. Yeah, I think Richie James and Austin Walter are going to be the two guys that get tweeted about the most throughout the preseason as dudes who have to make the team because they're just super ultra productive in the preseason. And then once the regular season starts, if they do make the team, their their production is is going to dip pretty precipitously if, you know, if they're even around. Uh, let's take a quick break, Kyle, and talk about our lovely sponsor, ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Candlestick Chronicles listeners can try try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter your promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. I like how you echo me on the promo. We could be like, uh, it could be like a rap song. You want, to, you want me to be your hype man? Where it's like I say something. We're so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I say something and then you repeat that last word. Oh, like like a, like an ad lib. We'll be like, we'll be like yeah, Amigos. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love the Stop. Amigos. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about defensive players to watch uh saturday and and sort of what we're looking for 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 the niners against the cowboys uh one thing that stood out at at practice these last couple days with all these defensive ends being hurt um i thought solomon thomas particularly today had a really nice practice and he was a real handful for mike mcglinchey off the edge and and that's not something we've said about thomas in his first two years particularly when rushing from the outside uh jimmy garoppolo threw an interception to tarvarius moore during a red zone drill today and i think a big part of the reason why that happened was because Thomas brought some heat uh, right in Jimmy Garoppolo's face and he had to rush his throw into traffic and it, and it led to the pick. So, and there were a couple other instances where it looked like when, where it looked like Thomas had a, had a couple would be sacks. So obviously we've talked a lot about Thomas and, and the importance of production as a rotational pass rusher, how much that could help the defense. Uh, so, I would expect him to get a decent amount of playing time just because the numbers dictated at this point. Now, obviously a, a third overall pick from 2017 in an ideal world, he wouldn't play a whole lot, but I think you're going to need him to play a whole lot. And so I would, I would like to see Thomas have a sack uh, maybe to be, be sort of a disruptive force because you could imagine the Cowboys aren't going to trot out their, their starting offensive line for very long, if at all. So Thomas should make some hay, and it would be good for him to get some confidence early on. Yeah, I think that's gonna be. I think that's gonna be huge. Is just we talk about how this stuff doesn't matter, and you you mentioned how it might be their backup offensive line, but just seeing Thomas get in and make plays, I think would be would be a pretty big deal and a pretty big step. Like it's not, it's not perfect. It's not regular season production, which is which is what's really gonna matter. But 
there are steps here. And I think getting production against any kind of offensive line in the preseason is at least a good start. It's not perfect. And you'd like to see him take further steps, but I think, I think seeing him make a splash play or two or three on Saturday would, would be a nice, would be a nice boost for him. And then you have the linebacker spot, Dre Greenlaw. I think it's been written about a lot. I wrote a feature on him early in training camp. He's just been a very quick study. Um, And I still think he's, He's the favorite to start at that Sam linebacker spot. I think it would make sense to give him that nod over Malcolm Smith just because and Malcolm Smith is another guy who's banged up. I think he has a hamstring injury right now and he's missed he's missed team drills in practice the last few days. And I can't imagine he's going to play on Saturday. So Greenlaw is going to have his first opportunity and I don't know how much he's going to play. I would imagine it would be at least a quarter. Um, But as somebody who's probably going to get a lot of playing time, whether he starts or not, uh, I think Greenlaw is a, a really interesting player and somebody fans are going to really enjoy watching, um, not only because he's fast and he makes plays and he's instinctive and, and he looks like a, a linebacker with a really good head on his shoulders, but he's just a, a really good dude with a really cool backstory. And also like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch haven't really hit on a day three defensive player yet in the draft. And the only the only one you could really point to is Adrian Colbert, who might end up being the third string free safety when uh, Jimmy Ward comes back because right now Tavarius Moore is getting the starting reps, not Colbert. So Greenlaw being a, a right. good, productive player, somebody who wins a starting spot at some point, whether it's this year or not, is is important for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, given their recent draft history. And also that the linebacker spot is just sort of crowded and, and you want to see how it shakes out, whether it's Elijah Lee, uh, David Mayo, I think undrafted rookie Aziz Al Shair is an interesting player, probably somebody who's going to wind up on the practice squad. But uh, yeah, Dre, Dre Greenlaw is going to be somebody worth tuning in to, worth tuning in for on Saturday. Easy for me. I'm really interested to see him just in game action because his workout numbers didn't jump off the page. Like his his spider graph. I know you're a big spider graph guy. Is not. Oh, I mean, I you know what? I've never looked at Dre Greenlaw's spider it's, graph. It's just it's not super impressive. Like it's not terrible, but it's not it's not crazy impressive. Where it's like, oh, that guy might start for an NFL team, but he was supposedly not much of a spark score. He huh? was supposedly faster on tape based on their their analytics and and the different ways they measure speed. He was one of the fastest linebackers in the draft, and I'm really interested to see if that plays out uh, in the in in the speed of an NFL game. I know it's a preseason NFL game, but still, that's that's going to be that's going to be something I'm really looking forward to seeing. Agreed. All right, so we talked about Tavares more, or we mentioned Tavares more briefly. Uh, I would imagine he's going to get a lot of playing time in his first game action at free safety at the NFL level. Um, he's been. He's been solid enough to continue getting his first team reps. Uh, there are some points, particularly like when he's chasing a running play from the backside uh, and it's a wide running play to the other side of the field, like his four three two speed really sort of jumps off the field. And to have somebody that fast at the back end of the defense makes a ton of sense. And he's also not scared to hit people and be physical. So I think he has he does have a really intriguing skill set as a free safety. We've obviously never seen him do it. So I do think there's there's a lot of upside there. 
And he's one of the more interesting players on the defensive side, along with Drake Greenlaw, just because the 49ers, we, and we talked about it all the time, they didn't really make any investments in at safety in the preseason and moving more there could, could make up for that if he turns into a productive player. And Jimmy Ward obviously has his injury his, history. He's only signed through this season. So maybe we're going to be looking at Tervarius Moore as a long-term free safety moving forward. And it, and that could start on Saturday. I think we're going to wind up looking at Tervarius Moore, maybe at the end of the preseason, maybe after a few games, but kind of wondering why he didn't play safety last year. Like it feels right. like it feels like things are trending that direction just based on how productive he was in college and based on how quickly he started earning first team snaps in camp. It just really feels like it's trending that direction. So I'm I'm fascinated to see what he looks like in a game situation there. And if we leave that game going, yeah, he's obviously the starter or if we leave going, man, he has a lot to work on still. Yeah, something's clicking with him and Joe Woods, um, I think. And and I'm curious to to dive into a little bit more what exactly it was that that clicked for him that that's led to him making this sort of rapid rise, because I think we looked at him at, at cornerback last year as a rookie and it was it, it very like incomplete. Like you didn't know whether to feel confident about his future going forward right. or, or whether to think that this this might just be a super toolsy athletic prospect who is is sort of in over his skis at cornerback. We it was tough to say, but for whatever reason, I mean, I heard from somebody who's watched all of his practice reps on the all 22 tape and said, you know, he looked really, really good. And so I thought going into camp that more would have a time at a chance at significant playing time. And it turns out that that's true. And so, you know, I'm eager to see if, if he's really going to elevate his game and take it to the next level where he could be not only a starter, but maybe a high level starter, yeah. just given his athleticism. I mean, four, three, two speed does not grow on trees, obviously. And just having range in that single high role is really, really important. And like I mentioned, he has a size and physicality. So it could be that the 49ers, found a, a really good player and they just had him at the wrong position last year yeah it, it feels uh, so that way for sure of, yeah so speaking of corner uh tim harris a six-round pick from virginia he's probably going to get a ton of playing time because the 49ers want him to develop he missed two seasons mostly with with uh he was given medical red shirts in 2016 and 2017 at virginia uh he's a guy who had he been healthy probably would have been a mid-round pick instead of a six-round pick um, so they lack depth at cornerback really behind those top three guys behind Richard Sherman, Akella Witherspoon and Jason Verrett. So there's certainly a vacuum there for somebody like Harris to establish himself and maybe a good preseason goes a long way towards that. But to this point, Harris has been working behind Greg Maven and Dante Johnson two two veterans who could make the team. I, I don't think they will make it, uh, just because, they, they haven't been all that good. And I think, you know, I think ultimately, like, I mean, I, I just don't know if you're missing anything if, if you don't have those guys on the 53. And Harris, obviously, is a draft pick who could have been drafted much higher had he been right. healthy, is a more intriguing player than those guys. So I'm just curious to see how he plays and, and if he can stay healthy. I think they're going to want Harris around either way, just because he does have really good size. And he was a really highly touted prospect going into college and then dealt with some injuries in college. And like you said, probably 
slipped in the draft because of those injuries, not because of anything, anything skill wise. I think they want him on the team either way. I think his performance in the preseason might be the difference between him making the 53 man and him being on the P squad. Yeah. And and pro football focus really, really likes Tim Harris. I mean, he allowed just a a 48.7% catch rate last year, um, which is obviously really good. Just 207 yards, uh, a 52 quarterback rating against when targeted in coverage. I mean, just, just, Seem, a guy who seems like he's a good football player, and I think what really hurt him is is not participating in the combine. Uh, I think he had a, a leg injury. Don't I don't remember off the top of my head, but um, just like analytically and statistics wise, uh, you know, he he seemed like he was a really good player at Virginia, and part of that could be because he spent six years in college. So maybe at that point, you should be a really good player uh, if you're a highly recruited player like he was. So. Harris right. is a guy who has some upside, who who probably should be a guy that we're talking about in a year or two from now as somebody who's either, you know, the third cornerback or maybe pushing some of these guys to to start. And, and I think in an ideal world, that's what the 49ers should expect. So I'm curious to see how he looks. Contavious uh, Street. Yeah. Real, real quick, just on just on and this this feeds a little bit into the Contavious Street discussion, but when we talk about Greenlaw and Harris and and what I think we're about to say about Contavious Street is the 49ers badly need at least one of these late round picks to hit. Whether it's this year or next year, they need to start getting some depth out of these drafts if their rebuild is going to kind of finish up. Like you can't keep relying on first and second round picks and free agents. Like these deep round draft picks have got to start hitting. And I think they have a couple of candidates in guys like Greenlaw and Harris and then and then Street, who we're going to talk about. Well, now. Yeah, and you can just look at what the 49ers have, have done on offense and how important that's been. Getting George Kittle in the fifth round is enormous for them. And getting Trent Taylor, who looks like he's back to the 2017 version and if not much better, you know, that's another fifth mm-hmm. round pick. Getting those guys late in the draft is really, really important, which is why so many people care about the draft. So yeah, they they've been able to do that on offense a little bit. They have not been able to do it on defense. And to your point, which is a very good one, they they really need that to happen for the defense to take the next step. And obviously, you know, the the probably one of the best examples of of hitting on a late round pick in NFL history is in that secondary in Richard Sherman, who was a fifth round pick when he came into the league. So yeah, that hitting on those guys is really important. Uh so Contavious Street, who I think is a really interesting player. Because, I mean, he was a fourth round pick because he suffered an ACL injury, an ACL tear leading up to the draft in a workout. I believe it was with a Giants. Probably somebody who would have been a second or third round pick if not for the injury. Uh, The fact that the 49ers took him in round four and he's healthy now and he's pretty often steamrolling some of these backup offensive linemen in practice. You know, if the 49ers keep 10 guys or nine guys, I think Street makes it. There's a chance they only keep eight because they need those two roster spots elsewhere, maybe for an extra receiver, maybe for an extra quarterback. Um, Street is somebody who probably should make the team, but it's certainly not a given that he's going to make the team. And I'd imagine that he's going to play a ton given given all these injuries to the defensive line. Uh, And I'm looking forward to watching him because he is so damn strong and he just destroys people when he's put in position to. And so he could be a lot of fun to watch in the preseason because he's going to be going against, you know, backups and scrubs pretty much the whole time. 
And as somebody who could have been a second or third round pick, had he been healthy at the draft, you know, he probably in a normal situation wouldn't be playing in, you know, in the second and third quarters of the first preseason game. But because of the injury and because of the because of the injury issues facing the defensive line right now, he's going to get a lot of burn. And and I'm just looking forward to watching him because I think I mean, I mean, I think the rest of, of, of you know, I think all 49ers fans would like to watch him just because he, he just destroys people. He's just so strong. It's yeah. it's fun to watch some dude push around 300 pound guys. It's just it's just fun. He once squatted 700 pounds, you know. I heard that, and I've also not a lot heard of people talk the, about that. I've heard he's the strongest player in the team. What? Yeah, rumor has it. Has anyone mentioned that? Or is this? Are you breaking no, this news? No, we're breaking this. So aggregators, <laughs> if there are any aggregators listening to our pod, Contavious Street, strongest player in the Niners. You can run with that. Just quote Candlestick Chronicles at Chris Biederman <laughs> at Kyle Madsen. A Madsen, Kyle A Madsen, Kyle A Madsen. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that's all we got. I mean, I know I'm I'm just I, I'm anti preseason just sort of as a whole because all the stuff we're talking about generally doesn't mean a lot once the regular season rolls around. But like the more we talk about some of these things, like Contavious Street, like Tavarius Moore, the more I'm sort of talking myself into being interested in the game. So, um, you know, it's football. It's better than not having football, I guess. Uh, Strong point. <laughs> yeah, and and it'll be cool to like be in the press box and be elevated and see everything that's going on the, on the field instead of like being on the sideline and kind of having to sift through things and not have replay or statistics or anything like that. Yeah. So we'll get it. We, fans will get a chance to, to see sort of a, a product of, of what we've been watching at training camp for the last 11 days. So, you know, it'll be fun whether or not we think there's four preseason, there should be four preseason games or not. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like you said, it's good just kind of getting the feet wet, getting back into the swing of of the football season. Like it's almost here. And yeah, that's, uh, that's exciting. And and we're gonna talk about it after this preseason game too, because the Niners are gonna have three games in a ten day span. Because sure, that makes sense. Brutal man. Um, yeah, they they're gonna have the the Broncos Monday night game and then a Saturday game uh, at Kansas City. And then a Thursday night game against the Chargers to wrap up the preseason because the owners, uh, God forbid, the owners give up two home uh, home dates where they can charge season ticket holders full price. But and that player is player safety, a, man. That is, yeah, player safety. It's priority. It's the number one priority. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to go down we can do another 40 minutes on this so let's get out of here (laughs) it is brutal all right we're gonna get out of here enjoy watching the niners game on saturday we're gonna have another pod for you uh early next week and uh reviewing the game talking about important takeaways hopefully there will be no more injuries to discuss and uh, we will talk to you guys then This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.